Hello and welcome to the Hockey Hurts Podcast for September 8th of 2017. I'm Ryan Wilson, Penguins writer for HockeyBuzz.com. I'm Cameron Walsh from HockeyHurts.com. This week on the podcast, we will be previewing the Atlantic Division. Last week we covered the Pacific. This week we're going to jump over to the other coast. And we are also going to discuss some of the kind of news bits from around the league where... Rumors, apparently, of raising the draft age to 19. And there was a Puck Daddy interview with uh, George Peros uh, where he had some comments where I think we can all buckle up into the status quo for disciplinary actions. Uh, it wasn't very... <laughs> so we're going to lead with... Um, what do you want to lead with? We'll, we'll, we're going to do the division uh, after. You uh, can leave choose. Player safety. Leave the player safety because it will get me angry and I will chill out as we go along <laughs> okay. through the rest of the podcast. Well, I'll let you take it away. I'm just. This is ridiculous. They've still got that goddamn suit hanging over their head and they sort of try to preach that, you know... They're changing what they want to do. But if you keep putting people in that were a part of the problem, and Paros was as much a part of the problem as, you know, Matt Cook, because he's supposed to be the guy out there policing guys like Matt Cook, and it never worked. And then you read what he, what he wrote, what he said in Park Daddy, and it's like, what, you want to get there and deal with slashes more? How about you just deal with the fact that somebody gets hit in the head and it's a 10 or a 12 game suspension? That'll stop them. The players aren't going to do it. You wrote a really good piece on, on Hockey Buzz on this. I just tweeted it out before we started. And all the points you made in that are pretty well spot on. Everybody that listens to this podcast knows how I feel about this garbage. Take it out of humans' hands and put numbers to things. And then there's no, oh, well, we're favouring this player or we're favouring that player or well, the playoffs are about to start, so we can't suspend them sort of garbage. Just try and make things a little bit more black and white, and and, uh, and the players will suddenly go, holy crap, I'm going to start missing games, thus missing money. Um, and you might actually get a change of, of attitude. But until then, like you said, status quo. In uh, the teaching profession, if I were to just grade papers uh, loosely based on opinion on what I saw and didn't have a rubric, I'd be out on my ass. As, as you should be. <laughs> so I, I would agree with you, a similar concept. You should be – well, you've, you, you created uh, the Hockey Hurts suspension system, and I think you've always said it's not perfect, but damn if it's not more – uh, consistent and uh, I think uh, more properly harsher than uh, what they're doing now. I, I think, say you, you toss aside the rubric issue thing, right? Just the fact that the suspensions that they throw out there are so are so lenient. They're so soft. There's no consequence for doing something wrong. I mean, Brooks Orpik got three games in the playoffs when he concussed Oli Marta two years ago, right? And I've gone... That's actually pretty stiff for what the NHL normally doles out. But he should have missed, well, theoretically, all the way through until the, until the Caps got to the Stanley Cup if they got that far. He should have missed a stack of games because of what he did. Same with Latang with his hit on Johansson. He should have got, well, he, got, he missed one game. 
and he should have missed, you know, probably similar-ish to, to what I said Orpik should have because he went from low to high, got him flush in the head, whether he meant to, and same with Orpik, whether either of them meant to do that or not. The fact of the matter is the consequence of what they did was an illegal hit to the head. And the fact that it's a playoff game, I don't give a toss. I remember um, I gave James Neal a bazillion games when he need March in the head um, just before the playoffs and stuff like that. And I remember you saying, holy crap, man, that thing's pretty stiff. And it's <laughs> like, well, you've got to stop shit like that happening. What's the point? Otherwise, you just say, go for it, guys. You guys police yourself. Don't worry about it. Well, that's okay. I guess Shane Doan's going to replace Pronger, so things will change, right? Oh, Jesus Christ. Thank God he's out of the league. <laughs> but now he's going to be in charge of, uh, or at least if the rumor that's is like, true. About... That's, like putting that cooking, that's like putting that cooking control of this. Seriously, he was that dirty. Just Cook had a couple of massive ones that we had one that destroyed a player's career, and he probably shouldn't have been allowed life. to play. <laughs> life. Yeah, well, yeah, that's right. You're right. It's not just his career, it's his life. And, and ignore the consequence of the fact that it did that to Mark Savard. The entire intent and the ferocity upon which he did what he did just shouldn't be allowed. It took the Penguins to do it themselves, 30 games. Like, come on, how can a club be tougher on their own player than the goddamn league? He's just retarded. I think the thing uh, about the interview with Peros that disappoints me the most is he's not an idiot. No, he's not. He, he, he went to Princeton. He's very smart. But he's buying into the, you know, I, I mean, I get it. He was a fighter. He knows what he knows as far as within the sport of hockey, but you'd think he, he could... Now that he's not like in the thick of it, take a step back and be like, "Oh, okay, you know, I, I I did what I had to do because I wanted to make a paycheck. But now that I'm making this paycheck, I I should still try to do my job to the best of my ability. But I think this is just toting the line and fitting in as opposed to doing what somebody in a department of player safety should be doing, which is actually making the players safer out there on the ice. He's just as guilty as those." dirtbags that do all the dirty play. They don't deter it at all. Well, he's not as bad because he has a willing participant. No, but the willing participant thing, that's, that's sort of my point. It's like... No, it's stupid, like but, you know, he's not... It's it's not quite a Matt Cook elbow to the head. No, it's not. But then wasn't Sean Thornton playing for the Bruins when Matt Cook did that to Mark Savard? Yeah, and Lucic was on the ice. Yeah, it would be, you go, even worse. Lucic is supposed to be out there to protect those type of players. It's a load of garbage, the whole deterrent factor. So for Paris to get there and say, oh, the players will look after each other and the players will police themselves. No, they won't. The The reason they won't is because as soon as somebody like Paris tries, to, well, Paris would try to go after a guy like Sid because that would be the eye-for-an-eye attitude that they want to take, that's just not going to happen. So I just, I don't... It frustrates me that, like, I love this sport so much, but it frustrates me how slow this sport is to change. And I don't think anything will change until Gary Bettman leaves. And I pray to God they get someone like the um, the commissioner that the NBA's got. Because he's moved that sport leaps and bounds in regards to catching up with, with what fans expect. Yeah, the NBA's done a 
they, he's he's doing a nice job. Um, Brzezinski asked, is a slash across the wrist a non-hockey play? No, that's separate. And it's like, how is slashing someone on the wrist a hockey play? Well, it's against the rule book. It should be a two-minute minor straight away. But I, I don't get why slashing at the hands is an accepted practice. Sid famously chunked off Mathot's finger, and that should have been um, a penalty. That should have uh, been four minutes because that was pretty brutal. Ignore the at result. At least. And, um, yeah. But that is a slash, but it's never called. And you wonder, oh, but players are going to keep reaching into the cookie jar, and sometimes when they go for the hand, they're going to catch the finger like Sid, or they're going to Adam Graves somebody. Yeah, which is, well, technically Sid did Adam Graves somebody. He blew his goddamn finger apart. <clears throat> and those, those that shouldn't be a thing at all. Nope. So. I just, yeah. It, it, that's the, one of the things that I find frustrating um, in sports is that um, this, uh, this goes for AFL over here um, and the NRL over here too, is that they don't go outside their little bubble. They're too afraid to go and get a voice that's external to their wonderful little world that they live in. They don't want anybody to come in and tell them that what they're doing is wrong. And I think bringing somebody in from the outside would be perfect for Department of Player Safety. And I say that, and I don't mean somebody that's that's a fan or has an interest in the sport. Literally, somebody from a different sport even that's supposed to be looking after player safety, bring them in, get them to take a look at the sport, with eyes that are completely different. And I bet you any money they will get there and go, you can't do that. You can't do that kind of stuff. It says in the rule book, a slash is a slash. That's a slash. That's either a two-minute penalty, four-minute penalty, or it's that severe you missed two or three games because of it. But because we're so conditioned now that all the way through the 90s, slashing and hooking just became okay, that it's accepted now. It's just death by a thousand cuts. That's what happened through the 90s. It is a sad indictment on the sport that I do believe that somebody who knows nothing about hockey could come in and do a better job on this front. They just don't like outsiders. You know, this sport wonders why it can't grow. And, and Wyshynski makes this point all the time. Hockey fans are often like, oh, please like my sport, please like my sport. It's really hard to like a sport that, that fans get there and go, well, how come that guy could do it, but this guy couldn't, and how is that even legal? How do you explain that? I think we've said it many times. I don't think you can. You, you can't. You, you have to have some... Somebody has to have a bizarre reason to want to bother to watch, you know, seven or eight games in a row with somebody that understands the sport to try and get a feel for the fact that this sport is so inconsistent. <clears throat> Absolutely inconsistent. Best Best season they had was the year after the lockout. And everybody jumped back on board, and it's just slowly going down that aging curve of enjoyment. So, did you get angry enough? Yeah, yeah let's move on to the 19-year-old drafting bailout of dumb scouts. Yeah, I, this one makes me more angry, because I'm growing oh, really? less and less, um, well, probably equal. I, I, I'm just, I grow... Less and less interested in, in the draft. 
every year. Is, and now is like, that just because we're getting older and older? <laughs> with further no, and further I, I just um, the idea of how restricted free agency works and the randomness of where some of these players end up. Like, think about uh, what would be a good example here. Like, not on the extremes of, like, the Stanley Cup champs versus the bottom dwellers, some of which who are intentionally trying to, to lose to get better. But, like, the middling teams, like, let's say Vancouver finishes, like, 24th overall, or, or, or a team like Carolina. Like, it's a huge difference in, like, the situation that you're going to be thrust into on, uh, in an organization and, and how well they're run. And there's, there's no rhyme or reason to it. And they're stuck there. Unless well, they try to, to pull uh, any leverage they can. But, you know, you see a guy right now, Anton Asiu, who's threatening KHL, even though I, I don't believe the threat. But, like, he sees he's probably not an idiot. He sees the writing on the wall with Detroit. But he's well, what can he do? Well, even if he goes to the KHL, Detroit still own his rights. When he comes back anyway, so he, he can't go anywhere. Like and now, the, the and now you're going to delay that back a, another year. Well, be two. I think he's looking at, it, at having a two-year. No, no. Deal. The 19 being the draft age, you're going to push that that control even later into their age. Oh, it's it's for me. It's one of those things where you always feel like they need if they're going to do this, the players should push for no RFA. Give me a full, give me the, give me the three-year ELC, which would take him to 22, theoretically, I suppose, from nine, or 21 from 19, 19, 20, yeah, 21, and then you throw us straight into the UFA. Fuck the RFA off, because it's the RFA years that screw the players over. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm it's a non-starter for me, the 19-year-old crap. I'm already sick of yeah. the CHL transfer agreement. The the babying that goes on for the Canadian Junior Leagues is just absurd. Yeah, it it's one of those things where such a great hockey country, but every at every turn you got to baby the major junior leagues. What the other thing is that if you get there and you do get rid of the RFA in, in the middle, people will say, well. Salaries will blow out, and it's like, well, no. Well, some some of them will, and so be it. It's a market, but there, I know where you're going with it. But the cap will keep, will stop teams from being able to, you know, build, you know, Golden State Warrior teams. It's not going to be the late '90s Rangers in Detroit buying everybody. (laughs) Yeah, and that didn't really work for the Rangers anyway. So there is still a skill in spending your money and getting the right players in to play particular roles on a roster, but there's a cap, so you can't do that anymore. And, you know, it'll be a player's choice. If they do go to UFA at 21 or 22 and get paid, at least teams are then able to pay players for their most productive years in the league. And it'll be a complete turnaround in regards to the way teams have to try and put their rosters together. And I would prefer that, I think. Like, I was just ecstatic we got hockey back, right? This time around, I'm on the side of looking at aging curves and, and looking at how the numbers stack up. <clears throat> I do want the way contracts are put together changed, completely changed, 
Now, the issue you've got is most of the people in the NHLPA are guys that are over 20, 28. So they don't want the structures to change because some of them are expecting their payday to come up. Why on earth would you want stuff to change where all of a sudden the youth can get all the money and they get frozen out? So the NHLPA, it's going to take a courageous bunch of people to get there and go, well, I've had my go. I've had my chance. Let's set this up for the youth. And the NHLPA are just as guilty of being self-serving as the owners are in amongst all of this. Yeah, and the other thing about raising the age is you have to pick a year to do it, right? Oh, yeah. And, this Imagine that. But, but, okay, so think about this. You're the, you're the number one draft pick. They bump it to 19. Well... Who's 19? It's all the players that went undrafted the year before. Yeah. Congratulations. You, like, who are you drafting? No, it's... Right? It, yeah. It's it's not... They shouldn't be changing that. I just... I don't... It's it's lazy. It, it's lazy. Instead of, instead of trying to... Should be looking um, to eliminate the draft before raising the age. But fans love the. A lot yeah, of fans you can't love get rid the of that. Game. It's a TV event. Hey, no, get rid of the TV event for the draft. Do the TV event for the pick of the playoffs. Do that. Or no, no draft would mean all UFAs, and you do an all-day show on the signings. Yep. And, and people would actually be signed on that day. Yeah, and and the other thing, the other thing with doing that is that you still can't load everything up. Like if you just went everyone straight into UFA, so they could get signed for maybe have a limit on how long the contracts can be. Um, but if you want to get there and have Conor McDavid come in and you want to give him, you know, eight by ten, then you you give or, him eight by 10. or fourteen by eight. <laughs> yeah. But you run the risk of, of him, you know, getting injured and those sorts of things or not panning out like he could nail Yakupov it. But that 14 mil is spent. Yes. You're not going and the next year and loading up again. You can't, no. So it so can spread cap, around. The cap itself does what it needs to do. It would be fascinating because there would be bus cases. And it would yeah. scare some teams off and other teams would have the guts to still go yeah. at it. But it would create a, would, a fascinating marketplace, and it would pay players um, market value in their peak, in their peak years. I think that's the thing. And it would be better for the teams for the reason you just said: paying for future performance. Well, and, and yeah. So I mean, if you're crazy enough, say it was Connor McDavid, and you go, "All right, we'll, we'll bring it on for." four years at 17 mil and then you go okay he's been everything we expected you're then going to have to pony up for more than 17 mil after that and it's like there's only a few teams that would have the resources to do it but have they have they squished their cap paying for other players so he can't go over there so you can't with the salary cap in place there shouldn't be a need to have ELCs, RFAs, and UFAs. I think that's become pretty clear. You're always going to have teams like Toronto that will spend to the cap and will spend in excess for all the extra stuff outside of the salary cap that they can. But if everybody attempts to spend to the cap, 
you, you end up with, you know, teams like Florida or, or Phoenix, if they want to actually have a crack at a player and they go and choose to spend at the cap, they'll have that player locked up for, you know, seven or eight or nine or ten years, depending on what you say the maximum length of a contract would be. And I'm looking so, at cities that would probably welcome a team. So if the argument is, well, not everybody can compete in an all-UFA environment, my I would say, well, that's too bad. Yep. The, the the league has babied teams inside a cap era for long enough. The cap is the I'm a proponent of the salary cap. I think that there should be a salary cap, and I think the salary cap provides a, a it's fun for me. It provides that little extra bit of strategy with your roster construction and uh, yep. and valuation. I enjoy that part of it. So, but I I think if you do the UFA thing and have a salary cap. The players will get their fair share still, uh, the better ones, um, which is how it should be. But um, you also, the New Yorks and Torontos can't go hog wild on it either. And and not having it like the NBA does with the luxury cap and the exemptions and all that sort of stuff, if you do just simplify it, the fans can, can get behind how it works. And the fans can get involved. It would also require the NHL to actually accept the fact that players, uh, that fans are interested in it, and actually implement uh, a cap system into their website. But if it's anything like their stats site, they'll just fuck it up anyway. So yeah, they'll have Connor McDavid at five mil a year or some shit. <laughs> <laughs> they are such a mess. Like over the summer, I'm like, I was, uh, I tweeted like. Where can I just find simple points per 60 or something? And I think Steve Birch is like the NHL's website. And it, and it dawned on me. I'm like, I, I didn't even consider that an option. And how about that? Well, that's just, that's terrible. But yeah, yeah. I, I really hope the players push hard for, for um, I bet they get nowhere near it. But if they went ELC to UFA, that would be better than ELC RFA UFA. Because the salary cap is, is what's yeah. going to stop teams from being able to spend everywhere. I love that idea, though, because, okay, teams draft the player, but they get the three years of um, that the player has to be there, and you got three years to, to prove that you're an organization that's, A, willing to pay, and, B, worthy of the player staying. So just quickly, though, if you did go for that ELC contract, would it just be they've got them for three years, pay them whatever you want, or would it be like it is now, where you can only pay them X amount? I would, I would, I would do a compromise and do it like it is now, if it meant getting rid of RFA contracts after the ELC. Yeah. No, I, I can, I can deal with that. Any, anything that gets, anything that gets players to be able to get paid what they're worth when they're playing at their or. I guess I I would be willing to, if you lowered the compensation for RFA offers. I'd make make them actually usable? Yes. So the compensation wouldn't be as stiff as it is now. I still don't like the RFA stuff. I still don't like the fact that, I mean, it's basically saying, look, you're a free agent, but you're not really. We've still got you locked up until you're past your scoring and, and productive prime, 
And and that that just forces general managers to make dumb decisions because if they want to get a player away from that club and make them a part of their their franchise, you, you fundamentally have to overpay at the wrong end of the. So it deflates. It should theoretically deflate salaries for the players. It should put downward pressure on them because general managers should be smarter and go. Well, you're past your prime. I'm not going to pay you seven years by eight mil. Because it's going to screw me up when I'm trying to keep. I'm going to pay the 22 year old seven seven years. Correct, and that's that's what should happen. But if you if you if you remove the RFA stuff, general managers can be smart. General managers can get there and go. Well, I've got this 22 year old. I know he's going to be great up until about 26, 27. I'll pay him eight years. I know the last three years of the contract might be down a little bit, but he's not going to be terrible. And by the time we get to the end of by the time we get to the end of it, he can walk, or he'll take a, a, a he'll take a pay cut to, to stay with the club. The other side of that is the GMs that are giving the um, seven or eight year deals. It, it, probably deep down inside, believe they're not seeing the end of that deal, anyways. Well, not the ones that are coming up now because of the. You know the what market. I mean? No, yeah. I'm saying like general manager oh, turnover. Gone. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, not exactly. my problem anymore. I'll, I'm on to the next job because that, nobody ever is, hires new blood. That is the hard thing for general managers as well, though. They have to sign these contracts for the now. So the Lucic contract, for example, that contract is way too long for that player. But Chiarelli's not going to be and around. Chiarelli's <laughs> not going to be around to see the the shit show that that's going to be. Who knows, it might actually happen this year. But you know what I'm saying? Like, you're right. They, they sign these contracts knowing that I'm not going to see the tail end of that. So doesn't affect me. And if they were signing young players to longer deals, I bet you any money we wouldn't see quite the turnover that we've got in general managers because the, the results of those seven or eight-year deals would be proven through the contract. And I have a feeling they'd probably stick around for jobs a little bit more. Yeah, Mark Bergevin's not seeing the end of that Shea Weber contract. I can tell you that. No, or the Carey Price one. <laughs> yeah. No. Well, uh, you know what? Do you got anything else to add on the the nineteen year old nonsense? No, 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 no. But um, yeah, I like the idea of removing the RFAs. So you mentioned Montreal. We're doing the Atlantic Division. You don't have them last, do you? No, I don't. Um, <laughs> That was my weak ass segue into <laughs> the Atlantic Division. I like uh, it. Well, I guess we'll do it the same way we did the Pacific. We'll start near the bottom. Uh, this one's pretty clear cut, I think. Uh, Might be the oh, bottom of the entire NHL. They could be, particularly seeing as they're in a, a new building as well. That's great timing. Yeah. True. Uh, the Detroit Red Wings. I do they not see nine, light at the end of the tunnel either. No, they have nine no-movement clauses or no-trade clauses on their <laughs> roster as it currently stands. Ten, they even so have one, as well. Do they even have one player worthy of it? Um, Zetterberg is the one that should but doesn't. Not at this age, though. No, but when you think about when you sign that contract... No, I know, but like, is there anybody on that roster that you'd be like, yeah, no movement clause? Dylan Larkin? But he's still on his ELC. <laughs> he's not a no movement clause guy. I mean, he's the okay. They, the way they hand him out these days, he is. 
They got zero, but they have nine. Yeah, <laughs> ten, actually. I forgot Jimmy Howard. They have ten. Ken Holland has got by on his Swedish scouts record. Ken Holland got by when Canada scouts couldn't find Europe on a map. Yep. Well, bad news, Ken. League's caught up. And the deals where these, you know, no trade clauses have come into place are all on him. You know, some of these players, they should have let walk. You shouldn't pay Justin Abdelkader 4.25 for life uh, with a no-trade clause. You know, I thought I thought uh, Holland got a raw deal. Um, not that I thought Rafalski was in the wrong, but he kind of uh, retired out of nowhere. That screwed him over. I'll give you that, definitely. But that, that was, was so not- long ago. Like, Rafalski, I don't think, was even a – didn't even – did he play against Pittsburgh in the second – the rematch final? Yeah, I could have. Oh, maybe. Yeah, I thought he. Uh, I, can't, I can't be bothered googling it. Um, he must have. Wasn't Rafalski good at the 2010 Olympics? Yeah, I think he. Yes. Was. Okay. Yeah. So he he did. But him, he wasn't really expected to retire. So they lost uh, Lidstrom and Rafalski in one in a Foul. short time. Yeah. And I believe they're. Possession numbers as a pairing were 60-something percent, which shouldn't yeah, be that was, surprising. It was, uh, it was uh, illegal, basically. What they yes, it right. should have been illegal. It was um, It was really, uh, well, if you weren't playing them, it was fun to watch. But it was really suffocating. They were so good. Well, I think the everything since then, though, has been a mess for him. I mean, I have to admit though, it's been it's been tough. You lose those two players, and then your your forwards that drive possession age. Um, you know, it's, it's good. yeah. So you, you sort of lose bits and pieces on the way out. And Detroit have made a point of trying to just make the playoffs rather than win a cup. So they were chasing as many playoff runs as they could. Rather than going, you know what, this team has definitely gone backwards. How about we start trying to dismantle it and, you know, bottom out, get a good couple of draft picks for a couple of years, and then try and rebuild it again. Um, he fell into the he fell into to the Toronto Maple Leafs problem, which is that he was lucky enough that he always made the playoffs rather than just missed the playoffs, which had Toronto sitting in that middle section all the time, and they couldn't get a guy like Austin Matthews to change the franchise. That's where this Detroit team's at. I know nothing about the draft, but I've not heard anything that tells me that the number one draft pick, who's probably that Swedish defender, is a franchise-changing player. He's going to be great, but he's not a Conor McDavid-style guy, so it might be a bad year to be terrible. It's a bad year to be terrible anyways with the way the lottery odds have changed. That's true. That's very true. But um, yeah, they stink. They'll be the they're the bottom of this. Um, so do you reckon them or Vegas will be worse? What's that? Them or Vegas? Uh that's a one of the two. I think are the got to be the odds-on favorites, right? I uh, yeah, that's my assumption right now. And I think there'll be a substantial gap to the team that's 29th. 
Who um, who do you got next? Um, Florida. I actually, uh, that's that's what I had as well. They still don't have a full roster to put on the ice at the moment, just looking at what they've got listed. And they're paying UC Oakenham to play for Edmonton. The Gutter Cats. The Gutter Cats. They went from the fancy stats to this. Man, I've, I was uh, looking forward to the Panthers for uh, about a year, and that came crashing to a halt. They, they, they freaked out. They absolutely freaked out. They tried to they tried to break the mold. It went a little bit pear shaped for a little bit of time, and they got scared and went back. And I I find that ridiculous in that context that they thought they were under a winner, and they copped a bit of flack from the the hockey community, and they went, all right, we'll go back to the status quo. Stick with it. It's not a change that's going to happen overnight. You got to stick with it. It's not a status quo either. They got worse. No, no, they, they did. They went back to the status quo thought process, and that made them substantially worse. They lost three top six forwards and have done nothing to replace it. It's not like they traded for them and got. And it's not like they had like the best top six in the league either. No, I mean one of them was six hundred years old, although he's top nine. But oh, just. I don't know. It's so rooting for him to rooting against him. Yeah, yeah, I, I can't, I can't get behind. And I like some of these players that like Vinny Trocheck and Alexander Barkov. Trocheck is players. really good. Yeah, and quite cheap actually. Huberto Barkov Trocheck, all good. Bugstad is kind of plateaued out. Uh, Dadnov will be the interesting one. You just don't know how those. Uh, players when they come over uh, how it'll translate but past that i mean i guess Verbat is there but but he's every, 36. every time he leaves the the left coast and goes to florida it didn't work last time it gets ugly i worry about ekblad's head and the fact that he doesn't have brian campbell there to help him out as well that, that'll be an interesting case study to see what happens. If, if, if Ekblad gets a, a full, healthy year and he can't carry the pairing, it will show you how good Brian Campbell was in his time in Florida. Well, I don't think it's much debatable. Brian Campbell was awesome. Yeah, you know what I mean, though. How much of that 7.5 mil does Aaron Ekblad owe to Brian Campbell? Put it that way. Yeah. I would try Yandel with him. Well, this... Who's the coach of this team now? Who's the coach in Florida? I have no idea. I forget. Because that'll come down to whether they do go a strong number one pairing or whether they try to filter the depth through the very shallow defensive six they've got up on the go at the moment. I mean, their saving grace is that their two goaltenders can win them games on their own. Florida Panthers. Bob, oh, Bob Bugner. <laughs> okay, so they're fucked. Basically. Yeah, I um, I don't like the Panthers. But I do wish all the people in Florida well this weekend. Oh, God, yes. Forgot about that. Shit, my brother lives in Hollywood, Florida. I should probably give him a call. A very good friend of mine lives in Miami. 
and um, <laughs> he was in Geneva, Switzerland on Wednesday and flew back to Miami to save his cat. And, oh, uh, did he fly back to Geneva after that? No, he's he, he uh, left very early morning today. I think he's up uh, to North Carolina now. So Fantastic. It's, um, it's been pretty rough uh, weather-wise for you guys over there lately. Nah, he was giving me pictures out of his uh, downtown apartment, and uh, there are cranes by by his building that are only uh, certified for 125 mile an hour winds. So They're not he, put, be he, he put a live camera feed from his window towards the cranes um, so he can check in. They're not going to be there when he goes back. <laughs> yeah, you know what? It, they, they might not be. So That's just, that's crazy. Absolutely crazy. But and yeah. Houston copped it as well. And my mom and brother live in Savannah, and they uh, they pieced out to Tennessee. Jesus Christ! It's that bad. Yeah, it's nuts. It's so. Nuts. Um. Yeah, that's tomorrow's not going to be a good day. No, no, it's not. Who have you got next? I have a. Uh, Duo. I didn't really know which one to, to go with. I think you and I are going to be a little bit different for the next three, I reckon. Okay. Um, I guess we, I could go Buffalo. All right. So I did Buffalo next. I had Ottawa and Buffalo. Well, kind of I slashed. that. Yeah. Ottawa, great run to the conference final. I'm not taking that away from them. But Carlson is pretty hurt from what I gather right now. And that team is nothing without him. So do you think that just when he gets back, they're not going to be able to make up the points? They're obviously going to... I don't know how long he's going to be out. I don't know how he's going to bounce back. It might not be an issue at all as far as Carlson's concerned. But, you know, that that's not a really good team. No, no, no I, I agree. I just don't think Buffalo or Boston are really that good either, to be honest. I actually I don't, have I don't think Buffalo's that good either, but I... It's... They can't. They're better than they were last year, which is handy. Also, it couldn't be couldn't be too hard to be better than last year, but you know. But they're trying to invest in defensemen that can actually skate. So, so Rasmussen is delighted and is going to be one of those players that's polarizing as all hell in yeah, you got people that are staunch defenders of him, whether it be statistical people or eye test people, and then you've got the complete reverse with the same sort of people. Like, I'll, it'll be fascinating to see what happens as the collection of defenders get better around him, and because I think he'll end up being a second, a good second pairing guy, but not a guy that can, you know, be your anchor for your, your back six. So yeah, they got to cut his minutes. Yeah. So we'll see. New coach, new general manager, new philosophies. So we'll see whether it it pans out or not. Having Phil Housley as a, a top-notch um, puck-moving defenseman will be interesting to see what he does coming from a, a Nashville team that had quality puck-moving defensemen. And the, for Buffalo to be um, competitive... 
they'll have to find a role for Ristolainen to where he's really good on the power play for point generation, but even strength, it hasn't been the case, and they'll, they'll need that if he's not going to be a possession guy. So you just want production out of him as opposed to possession output. I mean, I'd I'd like to see possession out of him based on what they're paying him. But if he he could 2015-16 Trevor Daly it, you know, that would be better than what what has been going on. Yeah, that's actually not a bad bad reference. So I kind of have those two teams there. I don't know what else to to say about him. Plus, the Sabers got off to a really slow start last year because Eichel was out for a lot of weeks. A lot of people forget that he missed the first six weeks of the year with that high ankle sprain. And and it's the thing that I it's the thing that I do find amusing with the obvious comparisons to Connor McDavid. Um, you know, he was injured, so. I, think I, don't, I don't like that. That's not a fair comparison. I'm not saying that it is. I'm just saying that's what happens. <laughs> you know, I mean, I know he's not signed to a contract at the moment, but he'll be the highest paid player on that roster effective at some stage this year for next year. So, yeah, he'll get 10 probably. Yeah, and deservedly so. It should and be you 10. can't just um, not, you, you wasted an entire season under the assumption that at worst you would get him. So you knew you were going to have to pay him at some point. So just yeah. do it. But you've got him. You'll have him until he's 29, and you're going to get some absolutely gorgeous hockey years out of him through yep. that run somewhere. So it's a no-brainer. That's easy. Yeah. That's an easy yeah. deal. They're the ones that you don't fuck up. <laughs> right? Yeah, they're the simple ones. So fucking hurry up and sign him. All right. Well, I guess we lump both Buffalo and Ottawa into that. So Detroit's on its own tier. Florida is slightly well. They're in the next, and I think Ottawa and Buffalo share one. Who do you got next? You see, I had it. I literally had it. Red Wings, Florida, Buffalo. Bo- uh, sorry, Red Wings, Florida, Buffalo, Boston, Ottawa. I think Boston are on the slide. They were pretty slide. good last year, though. All things considered, they surprised me. I just don't think they've got the depth to do it. And like, what are they doing with Pasternak? Well, I, I'm not worried in the sense of he'll be he'll be on the well. <laughs> they don't have a good track record with younger guys, but he should be on the ice for them. All right, so let's have a look at this. You've got David Krejci at 31, Patrice Bergeron at 32, Brad Marchand at 29, David Backus at 33. Backus all, all true, but it it is the 2017-18 season. No, I know that. It's just the back is the shown signs of slowing down. Um, and to me, this feels a hell of a lot like uh, a one-line team and then you've got two third lines. And that's tough to once again ask Bergeron, Marchant and Pasternak to be the sole go-to guys and to rely on Charlie McAvoy to pick up the puck-moving slack. And he may well do it. Just, I'm just saying things are, are trending in the wrong direction for the club. And if Rask has another subpar season because of injury, eh, 
it's going to get tough for him. But Raz could also play really well, I think. And bail them out of the problems that I just brought up. Exactly right. I mean, it, it, it really could. And this is why you don't pay goaltenders a stack load of money unless they're guys like Henry Lundqvist. Generally, they're like yo-yos. Um, it is worth mentioning it's their first full year without Julian in quite a while. It, who's oh, Once again, coaching carousel. Cameron, is terrible. Is it Cassidy? It is. Okay, so it is Cassidy. I didn't want to commit to that until somebody else. Uh, said it so I just I just struggle to see where this roster's depth comes into it because you go Ryan Spooner's 25 so theoretically he's on the downward you could maybe expect a little bit more out of Vetrano if you wanted um, Riley Nash is 28 Bolesky overpayment he's not what they should Bolesky was a classic hey, let's look at shooting percentage. Oh, that sticks out like a sore thumb. Maybe not, you know, dive into that one, but so they did. The other issue you've got is poor old Big Z. I love him. Yeah, he's it's, he's long in the tooth. Yeah, and, and so, you know, who's going to be the anchor for that? Is it going to be Tor- Corey? No, oh, God, I can't even get that out. Is it going to be Tory Krug that's going to carry that? Or is the expectation that... Because McAvoy's come in with big-ass raps and, and played quite well at the end of the year. Is the expectation going to be it's, it's him that does it for them? Like, the, the, there's so many questions for this particular roster that I'm not used to having. You know, you could you bank that, that Boston would, would make the playoffs because of, of all of the quality pieces they have, but they're just long in the tooth. Bergeron plays tough minutes. Dominate. Yeah, but he's until until he can't do it. I'm gonna ride that assumption that, that he well, can. It's, it's the Thornton rule of thumb, and I fully appreciate. I fully because he's a special player. Right? He's he he's a benefit of the doubt player. Yeah, but um, I don't one think of the Dave, best. I don't think David Krejci or David Backus deserve that benefit of the doubt. And uh, no, I agree with. Yeah, they're second and third line centers, so. I, once again, I think you end up getting there. Krejci should be okay. Trust his health? Yeah. And that's that's and that's and why I, I struggle with Boston. Uh, and if everything goes right for them, which you obviously plan for and hope for, then, yeah, they'll be a playoff team. They'll you know, what be... they really need to happen is they need to hit on those three first-rounders. They gave... Um, the Dougie Hamilton, Martin Jones stuff for. Yeah, if they if they pull through, then those trades will be worth it. And they will actually be comfortably okay in a couple of years. But they'll have those two or three years where it's like, and then those those picks should start picking up. But I recall the when those picks were made, they they left some. It was pretty panned, wasn't it? They went off the board when there was some talent that was there. And draft picks are crazy. Who knows? These off the board picks might pan out. But it's always risky when you've got a stack of picks in the one little spot in the draft and you sort of vanish from the expected thing for all three of them. Then it starts to become a little bit, what the hell's going on? Don't try and be smarter than you need to. Well, I have their main chief rival next. Yeah. Yeah, so do I. I reckon Uh, this is 
But, but this this throw. rides and dies with you know who. Pacioretty. No. <laughs> Although he's great. Yeah. The other P. Yeah, you're right. It really does. And if he stays healthy, they're probably going to make the playoffs. If he doesn't, no, I think they're in a bit of trouble. Who's backing him up these days? I can't. Al. Who? Big guy Al Montoya. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's not gonna. And that's, that's not gonna that's... cover the loss there. <laughs> No. You know, and Montreal's got a bank on Shea Weber having another good year, and I th- I think Shea Weber did have a good year for them last year. I mean, that's independent yep. from the trade sucking. No, that's exactly right. It, it, it's once again, I, I think the point you made before about uh, Bergeron in regards to he's done it every year so far, so I'll give him the benefit of the doubt until he falls off. Weber's probably in that same point. You know, it's going to happen, but until uh, it, it's, it's already slowed, but. It, that doesn't mean that he's he can't help that team still, but he's still he's got still a decade left. Yeah, he's still effective. Pacioretty's awesome. If they could pretend like Galchenyuk's actually good, that should help. They could pretend? Say that again? They seem to not want to play him in a bigger role. What, play him on the first line left wing? Or play him at center. Said, on, oh, a team, never... on a team that doesn't have any centers Sorry. worth a damn. Oh, I've got my brain mixed up with fucking Jonathan Drew. You're right. You're exactly right. They seem to not trust Galchenyuk, and um, it, that, that's a baffling usage of, of a player that's 23, and it's felt like he's been in the league for 10 years because of the amount of columns that have been written about his usage. So if they don't... I mean, Druin's an interesting player there but it'd be fun to watch yeah uh but i've always his possession numbers are so low for the skill yeah and on a pretty okay tampa team you know yeah it wasn't quality of teammate that was doing him in but you got alsner there i mean that could be subtraction by addition very rarely do you hear it turned that way, but you are right. I mean, the last Hemsky signing was pretty good. One year, one mil. Uh, yeah, I actually had that. I, the few notes I have, I put his name down to remember talking about him because uh, that's a that's a fine gamble, and you know it's probably a fifty fifty chance it pans out because of uh, Hemsky aging, and um, you know the poor guy unfortunately just finds himself hurt. A lot yep. of times, uh, they're gonna they're losing Radulov's gonna sting him. Don't blame him for not offering the contract at Don't all. Up on that but you know he he was really good for them. Well, my my question here is, Montreal think they're a chance. They think they're a chance until Carey Price wraps up, right, or until Shea Weber wraps up. So. If I run with the philosophy I ran with before that teams pony up on these deals for guys that are old, knowing that they're not going to pay the price for that contract, why the fuck didn't they sign him? Because this team's supposed to be a team, you know, going for the Stanley Cup. Why wouldn't you sign him? Like, that's a really massive loss. I, that actually, I don't... 
thinking about it a second time, I think they probably should have ponied up for it. They've got two or three years left before it all goes pear-shaped for them. By then, Montreal aren't going to care if they win a cup in that time. So why wouldn't you pony up for a guy that was quite literally a driving force emotionally and possession and point total-wise? So, yeah, it's not like that GM has shown any restraint. <laughs> Exactly. So it's not like we're, it's not like he's a GM that's gone. No, I have a, 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 a structure that I'm going to stick with, and I'm not going to go out of that because it'll make everything else out of whack. Um, you know, it's, it's just one of those things where they're going for it now. You can tell they think they're a chance, and you can't blame them for that. I mean, they do have a guy that can single-handedly win them 44 games on his own own back. So why wouldn't you think you're a chance? But they replaced. Who did they replace that offense with? Who did they re- replace that puck position with? No one. No, Druin is the thought there. If they, yeah, yeah, okay. So they brought him in to replace that, but they're still down one player that can do that. Unless Hemsky's not going to be able to to replace that kind of production. So you can't pick and shoot. It's like that's like the Taylor Hall argument. With Edmonton, they bought Luchich in to replace Halls. Well, no, it doesn't work that way. Yeah, be interesting to track. Which T? Which T's on top? I have Tampa two, Toronto one. Okay, I have the opposite. Yeah, we can talk uh, Tampa first if you'd like. It's a a freaking coin flip for me, like. I still um I still really like Tampa's roster even yep, so with the here's the key don't play Girardi with Hedman just stop it <laughs> don't do that and you you'll have a chance here I also think that a guy like Sergachev who they got for Druin deserves a spot on Hedman's pairing before Girardi and he's has no experience it's it's one of those things where you've said this ever since they've had Strawman and Hedman together. Just play the two of them together and just have them have them try to Rafalski and and Lidstrom up and go for a sixty percent possession. Those two are uh, awesome together. I'd like to see what this cuckoo guy can do. Yeah, I've listened to a few. He's, he's like he's like their Derek Pouliot prospect, where you hear yeah. about him forever. They keep him in the AHL. Uh, looks like they might actually play him. Uh, I don't know what side he plays, but it'd be interesting <laughs> if he could. Like Victor Hedman is up there as like Norris, yep, legit. Regular. So Great. if you put an average cuckoo, it's just a funny, funny to say. It looks um, like on paper as well. Uh, and you allow Strawman to to be on a separate pairing that way, you know, you could do some things there. Yeah. And yep. No, I, I could the see forwards are still yeah. good. I just don't understand the Girardi signing at all. Theoretically, he should be playing. If you're, he's on your roster, he shouldn't be playing, but nine minutes is a third pairing guy and a guy that sits on the penalty kill, um, just taking out space, getting in the way of your goaltender screening him. So he can't see a shot. Basically, is where you're at with him. I, I just do not understand that signing at all. I do like the Kunitz signing. 
Oh, don't remind me. But that, I, I thought that was, um, you know, low cost. He's probably not going to have to be relied on as heavily as he was at Pittsburgh at times. But in those short little bursts, he can jump up if they have some injuries. Yeah. I, I think these guys being second or, well, actually, no. Stamkos has a full year like he started last year. These he guys was leading are, the uh, league in points per 60. Yeah. They will win the division comfortably. But if he comes back down to earth and he's just a good first-line center, not a retardedly awesome first-line center, then that's sort of the balancing act, I think, between these two teams. Like, he, that Stamkos was that good in that short time frame that he, he played last year. So it'd be great for the league, if he and Tampa, of course, if he comes out and, and he's that good. It's great to watch. And if they play that setup. I mean, Kucherov's amazing. Yeah. They're going to need Tyler Johnson uh, and Palat to, to be good. Stay healthy. They sort of, last year it felt like they started to get back into form and they'd get hurt. And then they could never quite get it right. So if they start healthy and stay healthy, um, this Tampa team's going to be, going to be fun to watch and damaging for anybody in the East trying to get into the Stanley Cup playoffs. I'll say this, they're in not so bad shape. They got 3.2 in cap space. Yeah. They did a really nice job um, pawning Bishop off. Yep, and only having 4.5, in their goaltending situation. That's where their cap space is. Callahan contract still looms. Yeah. And for me, it only looms because there's a no-movement clause in there. If they'd give him that contract and not no movement him, then there's some idiot that would take that contract who, you know, wouldn't be a contender or something like that. Callahan's not going to leave Tampa now in the next three years. Why would you? You'd be crazy if you were a player. He's banged up too. Yeah. Yeah. He's um, got a lot of miles with the style of play. Yeah. So... Well, Toronto is probably my favorite team in this division, so I have no problem with you putting them at the top. Uh, they're one of my go-to center ice package watch. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, when you've got players like uh, Nathan Horton and Jeffrey Lupul to, to watch, why wouldn't you <laughs> want to... Sorry, I couldn't help it. The, the trio of young forwards is great. I just, um, I enjoy that. I think they'll probably give Kapanen a look. And that would be um, an interesting yep. to see him and what he does. I've always liked Kadri. Van Riemsdyk, I think, is, uh, you know. He's fascinating in regards to what they do with him. He's crafty by the net and can score goals, but he has some serious other flaws in his game. But if you put him with some, you know, other talented guys, you can do a little bit there. The Marlowe signing, I, I, I don't think I it's don't a like, good one. I get it, but it's just, yeah. I mean, you're asking a lot for him to earn his money in year one, and I think there's three on it. Yep, three. Yep. Bozak's a good depth center. And um, 
Austin Matthews pumping in 40 last year as a rookie. Uh, he's he's going to be fun to watch. Yep. But the roster still has holes. You know, I'm, I'm banking on just the the three young, talented players that have got. Matthews, Nyland, and Mana. Just improving. Just natural age improvement. I'm just banking on, on that and, and that being what helps push the other players that are on this roster through. Um, if they're leading the division, I can't see them trading Van Riemsdyk. They'll ride him out to the end of the UFA and probably see him walk, which would technically be... Unless a... it's for a defenseman. Well, yeah, that's true. That's actually a really good point. So, it may well be. Um... But, you know, Morgan Riley... And Reemstike's the kind of guy that uh, somebody might pay a little bit for in a trade that you just don't know. Yeah. I mean, Riley and and Gardner have to to keep improving and keep... Well, that's hard to ask of Gardner because he is what he is at 27. Gardner's actually okay. No, no, I I realise that, but it's like they're the... Riley and Gardner were the two that they... You know, all the fans kind of put their hopes on in regards to actually being quality defensemen, and they are. Um, but it thins out reasonably quickly after Zaitsev. Haynes is not should... play third pairing, and that's going to be a problem. Yep. And that's Babcock, which is baffling in itself. Haynes is in the top four for sure. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's just it's bizarre. Free Anderson, reliable back there. No problems with him. So, they've done a really good job of turning this franchise around quite quickly. When they decided they were going to do it, and they came out and said they were going to do it, it's been pretty quick. Got lucky to earn one, but, you know, they were dead last so they had the best odds yep but it's it's timing it, it, like you said they got lucky because you look at how many years Edmonton were terrible and and then they you know they fucked up some draft picks and then fucked up the way they handled some of their, their really good draft picks it just uh, I'm glad the league's better with Toronto being good I like it. Toronto's a two and a half hour drive for me. Uh, I like Austin Matthews a lot, so him being in my time zone's great. Unlike the other number one pick before him, that is in Edmonton. It's not a rigged draft. There's no way in hell the NHL wanted him there. Uh, Sorry, I that card being pulled. It's just. I just remember audibly going, fuck this. <laughs> <laughs> well, McDavid looked um, impressive. Among others here in Western New York, but mine wasn't Sabres related. Mine was just, one, don't go to the Devils. Two, don't go to the Oilers. <laughs> but I'd rather have him in New Jersey, to be honest, in hindsight. Uh, Playing against Sid five times a year. Yeah, no, no, I, I get that. Um, but I do understand the East Coast bias argument that the West uh, has an inferiority complex. I get that. 
And this is why. No, it's, it's not. It, I say Edmonton. Part of that is, yeah, they had the, they've had a run of first overall picks, and they haven't done shit with it. But two is, I mean, I get, I get the package. I can watch them whenever I want. But the average casual fan is not going to see the league's best player because they don't show Canadian teams hardly. Yep, uh, it's well done in HL. So. Yeah, I don't I, have yeah. much more to add on the Atlantic. No. Um, it, it's such a... I feel like this, there's a lot of divisions that are kind of really open this year. There's, you know, we were trying to coin flip Toronto and, and Tampa, but there's nothing to say that if Kerry Price comes back and Kerry Price is it from two years ago, Montreal will probably win the division. So, you know, what do you do there? There's just so many unknowns with this. Division. I'm just not betting on his uh, hips or knees or whatever. Well, just his body in general, and that's that's a fair argument to make um, in that situation. So it's the thing with teams now. You know, it'll take ten or twelve years for the depth of the league to to fill in, so that if you do lose a key player, it doesn't totally destroy it. Hockey's the one sport where your best players have the least amount of impact. On your result, you compare it to pitches, you compare it to quarterbacks, and you compare it to basketball. Of the four, you know, major league sports in North America, hockey's the one where the superstars have can have the least impact comparatively. So you lose one of them, and all of a sudden it gets very hard. Who steps up? Are you asking Tyler Bozak and Nazem Kadri to be your first and second line centers if Matthews goes down? It's very difficult all of a sudden, doesn't it? Yeah, but you know what? Bozak, um, while that's not ideal to to bump him, I mean, he's he's done it before before. with Kessel. It's... It's not, not the worst third-line center to get bumped up in the league, that's for sure. No, that's true. Not, not making that argument at all. But it does change the dynamic of the team. And that's what happened to Tampa. Yeah, you lose your best lost, forward. That yeah, what happened to Tampa when they lost, you know, when they lost um, Stamkos last year. Totally changed the way they had to do everything. And then yeah, they that never, probably didn't get enough. Uh, yeah, and they never really knew when he was, if he was or wasn't going to come back. So that makes it hard to try and work your way through what you're trying to do. Agreed. Anything else uh, outside of the division? Anything else popped up for you? No, I just got uh, this Nadal match on in the background. He's working uh, Del Potro over right now. Well, has Del Potro got anything left? No, he won the first set 6-4, but it would, now it's 6-3, 6-3, or sorry, 6-0, 6-3, and Nadal's up 3-1. And he's... And that's the final, looks like, looks like vintage Nadal um, running all over with power shots on the run where he's threading it oh. down the line. Um, I, Del Potro deserved to, to beat Roger, but I was still pissed that he beat him. <laughs> I, wa- I wanted the, the big dog match tonight. I know, this is just the semi, isn't it? Yeah, the draw was weird with the men. When uh, Djokovic is out for the year, Murray pulled out of this event. 
I always like watching the U.S. Open. Well, that's both. And the Australian Open is uh, same hard court. Yeah, yeah. It used to be grass. Yeah, way back when. Yeah, way back when. I when did they sure. change it? Um, I don't know, 88, 88 maybe 1990. So it's been a long time. Did Rod Larver demand that it be changed? No, he wanted to keep his brush. <laughs> no, I know. I'm just, that's the, that's the, the Australian tennis guy I know. And would that be because of... Um, He's uh, pretty damn good. <laughs> Federer, sorry? Federer's, Federer's favorite player. Favorite player. Roger's 36, and he's still awesome. Well, so is um, Venus Williams. The fact she got as far as she did at 37, I think she's going to be world number one or something, isn't she again? Mm, I don't know about that, but uh, she's I, had a a good comeback. a very nice year um, in the majors. I think she'll be back next year. But for the women's side, selfishly speaking, I thought it was cool to have all Americans. They've been it's good the, matches, too. It's the first time in forever. You know, the, the women have to make do right now because uh, by the time next year rolls around, Serena will probably be back winning. <laughs> yeah, she's um, made a little bit of a mockery of the word competition for women's tennis at the moment. So I, I enjoy watching tennis and... Uh, doesn't look like once we get off this podcast, this match is going to last much longer. Well, how about we get you off the podcast? So you nah, it's fine. Play. It's already over. Three oh, one, and Del Potro looks like shit. He's chasing it and lobbing it back because Nadal's just threading bombs down the line. He's he's just hanging on, keeping play alive. He's not dictating anything. Even when he <laughs> serves, he's not. Um, he's getting broke. That's tough. Yep, that's my tennis expertise. It's about as far as I get. Yeah. Um, well, take it away. Well, we've got... Uh, what have we got? Uh, Walshy66, that's me. Gunner Stall uh, on Twitter. Hockey underscore Hurt, that's our Twitter as well. Um, we're on Facebook. Um, just search for Hockey Hurt. You'll find us there. Um, have I missed anything else in regards to our, our massive social media footprint? Our oh, Patreon. Uh, you can find us on Patreon if you want to uh, contribute to the to the podcast at all, just to help us get it along. Um, I think I covered it this time. You only missed one thing. Oh, shit. Which one's that? Oh, you at freaking Hockey Buzz. Shit. No, no, not that. Whatever. iTunes. Oh yeah, rate us on iTunes, peeps, please. It's um, it's uh, always nice to do that. It helps other people find the podcast. Um, we've found that we're actually in Europe a bit, so thank you to those all the way over there that are listening. Um, but mainly it's you guys in North America that are covering us off. So thank you very much. But uh, a rating would be good. Try and help get it out there. And uh, as you mentioned, hockey buzz. Uh, but yeah, I haven't had much time lately to, uh, write and the September does not really lend itself to much tonight. <laughs> so I appreciate the people that have been sending me their Twitter questions for me to lean on that 
uh, the mailbag stuff because motivation is admittedly low right now. Nothing is interesting to me on the Penguins front <laughs> until the third line center gets resolved. Although the prospects stuff is starting this weekend, but like, I don't know. I, I'm not big on three game samples of prospect uh, tournament where, you know, talk to me with like Sprong and Aston Reese uh, at training camp against other NHLers is, is what I want to see. That's that's what matters is how do they go against guys that are actually the level they have to play against, not guys that are coming up or from the same level that they've been playing at. That's why the, the AHL thing is so important for guys like Sprong and the CHL deal is so crap. I mean, you're talking about a prospect tournament where, like, Jay McClement would be in the upper half <laughs> on yeah. the ice. You know what I mean? Like, it says a lot. Yeah. So, all right. Will we go central or metro? You'll have to find out next week. (laughs) That's our cliffhanger. All right. On that, catch you later, guys. All right. See you.